Thank you, Mark. <laughs> I can always count on you. All right. No, that's right. I, I brought this to drink today. I forgot. A little long sermon, a little, I need some extra sugar, you know, as we're into it here. So, um, you know, throughout history, there have been some amazing works of art done by men and women that God has gifted in an incredible way with artistic ability. It could be a, a carving in stone, it could be a painting on a canvas, it could be a, a building that an architect has designed that people look at and they go, that, that is... That is a wonder. That's amazing. Huh? All of them are masterpieces. Masterpieces. Think, of God, think about what, what is God's masterpiece? Well, you know, you look out at the universe, and I'd say that's a pretty good masterpiece, wouldn't you? you know, the, more we, the more we understand about what God's created out there, and we see the beauty of it, and the, the depth of it, and the size of it, and everything that goes with it. Every time I... I, I, I see a, a picture that comes back from the Hubble Space Telescope. I go, boy, yeah, incredible beauty. God's universe is a masterpiece. But did you know that there, there is a, a, a masterpiece of God that, that is still in the works? God's still doing it. A masterpiece that I would say is far greater than this universe that God's created. And you might, you might be surprised this morning to, to hear this, but do, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ this morning, if you're a believer in Christ, you're that masterpiece. You're that masterpiece. And I can say this with confidence because I'm basing it on what God himself said about each one of us who have trusted in Jesus Christ as our Savior, what God would say for any one of us here this morning who might be in this journey, this spiritual search where we're seeking to understand what is spiritual truth and we're, we're in this process of, of deciding whether or not, you know, what is it that we believe. You're a potential masterpiece that God can create through his son Jesus Christ. God said this to the Apostle Paul in the letter that he wrote to the Christians living in the city of Ephesus and said it in, in, in what I think has become one of the most well-known statements that we find in Scripture, set of verses. And, and it's this statement. Some of you probably have memorized this and maybe read it many times. He, Paul said, it's by grace that you've been saved through faith and this is not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not of works so that no one can boast for we are we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're God's workmanship. You are and I am. That's another way of saying that we're God's masterpiece. We're God's masterpiece. These three verses are really the key verses in this series in, in Ephesians that we're beginning today. They they, they point to what this series and, and, and what the book of Ephesians is all about. It's, it, it's how it's true that you and I are God's masterpiece. And so over the next several weeks, and in fact, we're going to be in it for a little while because we're going to really dig into this book. We're going to dig into this truth. I think you're going to find that it's absolutely thrilling 
to discover how amazing a masterpiece that we can all be. All because of God's amazing grace in each one of our lives. Now, the first thing to know is that there's a lot that goes into us becoming a masterpiece. And Paul begins with the very first thing. He begins with the, the, the wealth that is ours in Jesus Christ. And, and, and that's what we're going to focus on this morning, how rich we really are. In fact, we're going to come back to this again next Sunday because what I did, and I realized that as I got into this week, I like way, 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 way over prepared. So basically what I what I ended up with was two sermons. And, and so I was actually here at the office last night working till about 7 o'clock trying to figure out, well, how can I get it all into one? And, and, and I couldn't. Um, and I'm going to tell you, I'm never working on a sermon on a Saturday night. Talking about wealth, have you ever heard of a guy named Roman Abramovich? Anybody hear of this guy? He's a 44-year-old Russian businessman, 44 years old, who made his wealth on, on oil and steel and gold and real estate. And right now, he's the 11th richest man in the world, and he's, his wealth is estimated at $22.5 billion. He's got 16 homes. 16. Here's his smallest, one of his smaller ones. It's a chateau in, in France. And right now he's building a house in, in, in the city of London. And, uh, it's not done yet. And it's estimated that it's by, it's, by the time it's all done, it's going to cost him $250 million. It's five stories from the ground going up and it's three stories below ground. Just a little house, you know. In fact, they're saying that by the time it gets done, it's going to be the most expensive residence in the city of London. So he's got 16 houses, and then along with that, he's got, he's got four yachts, and his, his newest yacht is now the largest one in, in, in the world. It, it cost him $1.2 billion. Now, can't you see yourself water skiing behind that? Yeah, I'm on a Minnesota lake. <laughs> I'm here to tell you this morning that all of what that guy has doesn't come close to what you and I have in Jesus Christ. It doesn't even come close. And, and what makes this even more amazing, this wealth that's ours in Christ isn't something that you and I have to somehow earn. It's been, it's been given to us by God. And it isn't wealth that we're going to eventually receive once we step into heaven. It's wealth that's available to us now. 
And it's not material wealth, which we all know fades away and disappears. I mean, ultimately, all of those 16 houses are going to come down and ultimately that, you know, those four yachts aren't going to exist anymore. So that's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about material wealth. We're talking about wealth that is far more meaningful, far more significant, the kind of wealth that has the ability to dramatically impact the way you and I live every single day of our lives. So if you got your Bible... Uh, let's let's turn to this book, Book of Ephesians, and if if uh, if you got a Bible with you, but yet it's pretty new to you, in the New Testament you got the four Gospels: Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You got the Book of Romans. Um, uh, you got the Book of Acts, the Book of Romans, First and Second Corinthians, and then Galatians, and then you come to the Book of Ephesians. So Ephesians chapter one, and we're going to begin with what we might call the greeting. Um, and we have all we all have our own way of beginning our letters, right? Now, like most of us would say, dear so-and-so, whoever it is that we're writing the letter to. If it's a business letter, we might put the you know, formal thing on top where it says who, it, who it's to, and then, and then we address them, dear sir, or to whomever this might concern. Paul had his own template that he followed, and it was one that was very similar to every, what, what everybody used back then in writing the letter. First of all, he identified himself as the writer of the letter, and then he, and, and he said something about himself, and then he identified the people that he was writing the letter to, and he said something about them. And we're going to come back to this more next week, but, but just want to read these two verses. And so we read this, Paul writes, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're going we're gonna to come back to that more next week because some awesome stuff in that. One more thing to know before we begin this letter, right? There's a two-word phrase that's repeated throughout the passage, these verses that we're going to look at this morning. And, and, it, and, and it's a two-word phrase that is very, very important, very important, incredibly important. Okay, how important? Very important. Good. All right. And it's stated in, in one of two ways, and both ways say the same thing. Either you're going to find in Christ or in him. And that's just repeated all the way through those, those 14 verses that we're looking at. They're repeated because the point they're making has a huge significance for each one of us, and it's this. Our riches in Christ are not based on our performance. They're not based on whether or not you and I had a good week spiritually. They're based on the fact that we're in Christ. They're based on who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ has done. So you know what? You might have had an absolutely lousy week spiritually, but I can tell you this morning, nothing's changed in your relationship with Christ, you're still in Christ. You're, everything that we're going to talk about this morning, all the wealth that, that is ours in Christ, you haven't lost that this week if you had a lousy week spiritually. I mean, is that cool or what? I mean, if you feel like saying amen at any point this morning, just feel free, all right? I mean, I think that I am so glad because I've had anybody else ever have lousy weeks spiritually? 
about lousy months even. All right? Right? I'm so glad it doesn't change anything in my relationship with God. By the way, that's why I got this pop-up here. By the way, before we dig into these verses, in fact, I, I forgot to read, uh, well, verse 3. I'm supposed to read that. It's on PowerPoint. So let's, let's look at this. Verse 3, he begins uh, with praise. He said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So Paul begins where you and I, we're, 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 we're feeling it ourselves. We just want to praise God. That's, that's where he starts. So, but before we look at this, you might find it fun to know that once you get into verse 3 and all the way through verse 14, that in the, in the Greek is one sentence. One sentence. One very long sentence. In, in, in the Greek, it's 203 words, and, I, and, and counting it up in the English, it's, it's 266 words. As, that is if you've got an NIV, okay? That's, that is one long sentence. So all the punctuation you see as you read through this, the, the, the scholars, the translators from the Greek, put those in so that, that it'll make more sense to us. Otherwise, you just got this long, long sentence that goes on and on, and, and, and it makes it a little, little difficult. And so... You know, you know why Paul did this? He was so fired up, so absolutely overwhelmed with joy and praise because of everything that is ours in Christ that it's like he couldn't take his pen off the page. He couldn't stop writing. One commentator said this, and I love it. He said, this passage was written by Paul in a state of controlled ecstasy. To me, it feels like when you take a, a can of, of soda like this and you shake it up, you know? And that, I mean, it's really fun. First service, it worked really well. And, and you just open up the, yeah. Huh. I mean, that's what's happening here. It's like, it's like, you know, Paul, as he describes all that we have in Christ, he just, he just shakes it up and, and then he finally pulls off the tab and it just sprays out all over the page of the Word of God. Now, that's what's happening. So let's dig into this. So first of all, Paul's introduction, verse 3. I want to read this again. He said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every, every spiritual Blessing. Two things to note here. First of all, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. And what he's doing here, he's not counting. He's not saying like one, two, three, four, five, six, something, something like that. What he's saying is that God has blessed us with every single blessing that you and I need in order to, to walk faithfully to our Lord Jesus Christ and live a life of, of love and, and obedience to him. Second, we've been... He tells us, blessed in the heavenly realms. Paul's not talking about geography. He's, he's not making a distinction be, between earth where you and I live now and heaven where we're ultimately going to live. He's not saying that you and I have got these blessings, but we're not going to experience them until we step into heaven. He's saying that they're ours right now, and they make all the difference in how we can live our life on this earth. You see, you see what he's doing is that he's, he's pointing us to a, to a spiritual reality, one that we cannot see with our eyes, but it's there, and, and it impacts our lives in, in a very powerful way. 
is that invisible spiritual world where angels and, and demons and Satan himself exist, none of, none of which you and I can see, but, but all very much involved in what's happening on this earth. In fact, if, um, if you go to the, you read through the whole book and you go to the, to the last chapter of the book of Ephesians, Paul talks about the spiritual warfare that we're engaged in. And he, he says, we're not bat- battling against other people. He said, we're, we're fighting against these invisible forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's, that's the thing he's talking about. And so what he's really saying is we got the blessings of God where we need them. We've got them where we need them. So let's, let's begin today by looking at two of those blessings. I just love this. I mean, I got to tell everybody, it's like when I finally realized, you know, the full extent of what I was going to be able to share with you this morning, it's like Sunday couldn't come fast enough, you know. I'm going to share this with you. The first blessing is, that you and I are, are chosen. We're chosen by God. Look at, look at verse 4. He writes this. For he chose us, <clears throat> that's God. God chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. Here's what this tells us. <clears throat> Before you and I ever chose God, God chose us. Before you were conceived, before your parents were conceived, before this earth was even even created, God chose you. Now, you know, I know there's something in us that tries to, you know, we want to try to figure this out. We, we go, well, how did God do that choosing? I mean, how did, how did this exactly happen? But you know, you know what? The reality is that you and I in our finite minds, we can't possibly, we can't possibly understand how the infinite mind of God works and how God does what God does. In fact, this is exactly what Paul said in another book that he wrote, the book of Romans. If you ever read that book, in, in three chapters in that book, chapters 9, 10, and 11, he devoted those chapters to this whole thing of God choosing. And at the end of it all, this is what he wrote. He said, and I, and I just love it, he said, he said, oh, the, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God, how ins- unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. You know what he, you know, in just layman's terms, you know what he's saying? He's saying we can't understand God. We can't figure it all out. Because God's infinite and we're finite. Now here's why God choosing us is such a powerful, life-changing thing to know. It does this, it helps us understand the incredible security of our salvation. You see, this, this, is something, this is something not to miss, everybody. If you believe that the only reason you're a child of God is because one day someone shared the gospel with you and it was the right time and you were, you were ready to hear what was being said to you and you responded to it, if, if you think that, that simply this, then you don't fully understand the grace of God in your life. You don't fully understand your salvation. Because what the Bible teaches is way more than this. What, 
What you, what you gotta know is that, is that your salvation's been a God thing since eternity past, before this earth was, was ever created. God already had you in mind and, and, and you were chosen to receive His blessings. Huh? I? Yeah. I mean, our salvation doesn't get any more secure than this to know that God had a plan in eternity that included you, that included me. I mean, here's the deal, everyone. I can make the best plans to get something done, and because of circumstances outside of my control or my own ability to do it, I don't get it done, but that's not true of God. It's never true of God. God has a plan, and God has everything it takes to make that plan happen exactly the way God wants it to be done. And so with you and me, as far as God does it, it's a done deal. I'll say it. Thank you. Thank you, God. I'll tell you what. There's nothing better than having this security to motivate me and inspire me to want to love God and obey God and serve God, to know that all of what God has for me is not, it's, it's not something that I might have. It's not something that I, I have but I could lose. It's mine forever because it's been in God's plan forever. And I, man, this, I mean, that is one huge blessing. It inspires me to be what God chose me to be. To fulfill God's purpose in choosing me, which is, Paul spelled it out for us in this verse. Look at this again, verse 4. For he chose us in him before the creation of this world to be what? What does it say? To be holy and blameless in his sight. Wow. There's two things about this that this says. You know what? And the first one's this. Get this, everybody. When God looks at you, and you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, when God looks at you right now, you know how he sees you? Like he sees Jesus Christ. He sees you absolutely holy. He sees you blameless. That's God's perspective right now. So that's the first thing that's pretty awesome. The second thing is this. What it does for me is I'm, I'm saying to myself, I want to be, I want to begin living now what I'm, what I am. I want to, I want to live a holy life. And you know what that blameless thing is all about for us right now? It, it means that you and I are not hiding stuff about ourselves that's in our lives. We're, we're honest and we're open about our struggles with each other. You know, we're, we're willing to confess our sins to each other. So, first of all, we're chosen. Second blessing is this. We're adopted. At the very end of verse 4, and then you get into verse 5, he begins the sentence in verse 4. He said, "And In love, God predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace which he's freely given us in the one he loves. What an amazing declaration. 
I love that word predestined. It's a, it's the strongest word possible to describe the certainty of God's eternal plan to make us His children. It, you know what it does? It points us to our destiny by divine decree. That's what it does. It points us to our destiny. What God has planned for us. And the word adopted, it's equally powerful. Because of what it says to us about God's love. Last Sunday with Ron Brown was just absolutely great. I have, I love that guy. I have so much respect for Ron. His message was powerful. Did you all catch one of the things that he said in there? That he was adopted as a child? Did you, did you hear that? That he was adopted? By the way, by the way, did you notice his muscles? <laughs> I'm standing in the back looking at those arms and going like, whoa. In fact, even one was bigger than the other one. Did you see that? It's like, how do you do that? You know? But so I, I thought, you know what? I'm just gonna call him. So I called him up and I said, you know what? Do you think it would it ever work if I could come and just spend like an hour or two with you? Um, and you could just show me some of the weightlifting stuff that you do? Yeah. And he said, you know what? He said, absolutely. Come and do it. And so we spent a couple hours together. And I, I want to tell you, it, it's made a difference in me already. Can you tell? I mean, it's honest. Do you doubt me? I got pictures. Okay. Let me show you. Let me show you. There I'm running. And just out. Ron and I did a little running, too. They kind of did that before you start lifting weights, you know. And so that's just outside of Lincoln. And there, there I am. And then, you know, one of the things that Ron did that I, that I never had done before, and it, it made an incredible difference, he showed me a whole new way to do push-ups. And, and look, look at the... Man. Yeah. So, you know what? Don't ask me to take my shirt off, all right? Okay. I love that about Ron being adopted. So seriously, I did call him up. And, and I love this. He called me back on his cell phone. So now I've got his cell phone number. And he, so when football starts, hey, Ron, remember me? You're a good friend, Steve. We lifted weights together. No, but so I, I call him up, though, and ask him, tell me a little bit more about this thing of you getting adopted. And so he told me that his parents were students at university in New York City. His father was from India, an engineering student. So his father's Indian. His mother was from Tennessee, African-American, and she was there to study music. And they met each other, and, you know, that she became pregnant. And neither one of them were ready to be a parent. And so Ron, as this little infant, was placed in an orphanage in Manhattan. And at nine months of age, he was taken into Arthur and Pearl Brown's home as a foster child. And then as a two-year-old, adopted by them into their family. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful story of two people loving this little boy, loving him and choosing him to, to make him their son. 
See, Ron knew all his life that the parents who adopted him loved him. They loved him. He knew that they chose him. They chose him to be their son, that it filled them with joy and pleasure to adopt him, for, for him to be their son. That's just a great story. What Ron shared with me this week added even more beauty to the story and the wonder of God's grace. You see, Ron became a follower of Jesus Christ in the senior year, his senior year of college. Senior year of college. And, and as he, he expressed it to me in his own words, this is what he said. He said, Steve, by the sovereignty of God, it was my privilege to share the gospel with both of my parents and see them trust in Jesus Christ as their Savior, first with my father and then with my mother. I loved hearing this. An adopted son explaining to his parents how they could be adopted into the family of God. I mean, the greatest adoption possible for any person. We have several families in our church who've done the same thing Ron's parents did many years ago. And I, I, just, I just love looking at each one of those pictures. You know why? Because every one of them is a picture of God's love for us. Listen again to what Paul wrote about God adopting us. He said, he said in love, in love God predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure of God's, in accordance with his pleasure and his will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he's freely given to us in the one he loves. You see, what motivated God to love us? What does it say? Well, first of all, it's love. And then it, we're told that it gave God a great deal of pleasure to adopt us. And, and then we're told that God did it so that, that the grace of God could be evident to all of creation. Wow. You know, I mean, talk about security. Talk about security. To be adopted by God. Yeah, you know what that does to me? It just makes me want to that just makes me want to just worship God. It also makes me want to serve God. It makes me want to love God. It makes me want to just say, God, you can have my life. And, and you know what else it does for me? It gives me the confidence to know that I can walk through my life and I can live a life of loving obedience to my, to my Heavenly Father. Huh? Yes, thank you. Yeah. Maybe you're here this morning and been listening to me and you're saying, but Steve, I, I haven't believed in Jesus Christ yet. I've still been, I'm kind of on this journey and I'm searching. And, and, and maybe you might just be saying to yourself, you know what? I want to be adopted. I want to be adopted. You know what? You can be adopted this morning. As we sing this next this song where we're going to worship God, you can, you can, you can have this conversation with God and you, you can say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I, I do understand that your son Jesus Christ died for me on the cross to pay the price of my sin. And God, I want to be your child. And you pray that prayer and you will be adopted to the family of God.
everybody. Do you see why it's true that what God's blessed us with? The wealth that you and I have been given by God, do you see why it makes a $250 million house and a $1.2 billion yacht just like nothing in comparison? Do you? Absolutely. Let's worship, and then I'm going to come back, and we're going to have some fun. All right? So let's stand together and... Let's worship.